Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. And this show is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Ned. Ned is a maker of fine CBD products. They're known as one of the best CBD brands out there. And Ned believes the natural world holds the keys to human health. And it's kind of their mission to share that truth with others. So they have a lot of science and research on their website. I invite you to check it out and also check out their line of products. They make something called the Natural Cycle Collection. It is great for if you have really bad cramps or you you have irregularity with your period. It is actually proven to make you more regular. So if you're interested, I invite you to check out helloned.com slash helpmebeme or enter helpmebeme at checkout for 15% off your first order and free shipping. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode I'm calling Calming Down and Keeping Your Fear and Panic in Check. So this is an episode that's dedicated to self-regulation, and if you are in and out of a state of panic and perhaps experiencing symptoms of trauma, and maybe, you know, you just lost someone or you lost something, like security of some sort, or maybe you are fear forecasting and feeling very overwhelmed by the outlook of the future. Like you're figuring all of this is impossible and you don't know what to do. So I wanted to start this episode with a grounding exercise. And different people ground best in different ways. So I'm going to go through a handful of different options. Um, but for everybody, before I do that, I just want you to slow your breathing down and make it as even and lengthy as possible. Okay, so a couple different grounding exercises. First, I wanted to ask you to tune into one thing in your immediate environment that is calming. Something around you that is either beautiful or still and, I don't know, stable perhaps. Whatever it is, let's say it's the sunlight, or let's say it's the um, texture of the rug in your room. Whatever it is, just tune into that object or that thing and let your focus really be with that object. And just study it. Think about all of its properties, look at its color, its texture, its weight, how it was constructed, if it was constructed. Take mental note of the patterns, if there are any. And if that doesn't work for you, if that's not a very helpful thought process, I want you to look around and ask yourself, am I in any immediate danger right now? Am I physically safe right now? Hopefully the answer is 
yes, I'm safe right now. If that's not a helpful practice for you, I want you to take <clears throat> mental note of whatever is putting pressure against your body currently, wherever you're sitting, maybe you're standing, whatever has contact with the planet. I want you to mentally put your focus in the pressure you feel at that spot. So focus on that area of your body and mentally just describe to yourself any details of that thing. Is the texture of that thing hard or soft? Push back against that surface and feel it push against your body. So if you're touching something with your feet, for example, focus on the firmness or softness of that surface. And if, let's say, you have something touching your hands, like take note of the temperature of that thing. Mentally call out any descriptors like soft, cool, smooth, etc. So if hopefully one of those worked for you, if none of those worked for you, another great one is noticing sound that's in your immediate environment and just naming each one as you hear it. So in this episode, what I wanted to offer you is a series of grounding tools for when you're at varying stages of ability. Because depending on what's going on in your life, you might be dealing with a super loud mental monster that is flooding your physical being with worry or anxiety or panic. And a lot of that happens when you feel like you have no control. Um, so now more than ever, it's really important to self-regulate your own mental state. And by that, I mean really treating your brain and body like it's an organism that needs balance in order to function in a healthy way. So really taking a manual approach to pulling this lever down this much and pushing this one up this much. So with that, there are three parts in this episode. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Well, dysregulation, um, sometimes dissociation, uh, a, a state of heightened alarm or um, a lessened capacity to function because of an emotional reaction. So the first step here is really just recognizing where you are when you're there. Like if you are dominated by a specific set of thoughts you might not be able to step back to check in with what is actually happening to your person, meaning that which includes your physical body. And a lot of the time, the hardest part is just remembering to check it, you know, instead of being the thoughts to step back from them and, and recognize like, oh, this is happening to me right now. Because when people get overwhelmed or triggered, or are suffering a state of panic, some people react by going high or going low. That's like a super basic way to say it, but we react by either going through the roof or shutting down. And panic and dysregulation, when you feel really overwhelmed, like, and your heart is pounding, um, it also shuts off a lot of other really important functions in your body or, or it reduces your ability to do them healthily. Like your sleep is disrupted, your digestion is disrupted. And 
sometimes if you're in an overwhelmed state, it means you go into an opposite state of lethargy and paralysis. So maybe right now you feel the need to sleep more or you feel like numb, like you don't know what to do and so you don't do anything at all. Um, So depending on your coping skills or your coping mechanisms, you this could be showing up for you as feeling spacey and zoning out a lot. Um, and if you're not feeling that way, maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe you feel restless, like you're high, like you're kind of like you're having a bad trip. Um, symptoms of being in like a heightened triggered state might include like you're really reactive, you're impulsive. Um, maybe you have difficulty controlling what you say or do. You're having mood swings. You feel more more rage, more panic, heightened sensitivity um, to others. And in both of those states, you could have a version of dissociation, which is just like basically like leaving your body. When you're in either a high state or a low state, it's often messes with your sleep and your digestion, as I said. It's really hard on your body, and it if you're in this state for a really long time, it can lead to chronic disease. Um, and it's also really difficult to concentrate. Your brain cannot record, um, or recall memory well, and you tend to hyper-focus on whatever is like the immediate threat. So in other words, the world becomes smaller along with possible solutions. So I think of being in this, um, panic state as similar to being a caged animal. Um, it's like paralysis, an emotional, mental paralysis. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, I mean, a lot of it happens when we are powerless. When we are, we, we get overwhelmed and we feel like we don't know what to do and we can't do anything at all. It's like noticing you are in a... A wrong, the wrong gear. I don't know if you've ever shifted to neutral by accident, but it's kind of like that. Like if you're driving and then you're suddenly in neutral, it's like, like the revs go through the roof. Um, so knowing you're here allows you to step back and say like, wow, my, the revs are shooting through the roof. I cannot drive effectively from this gear. So the first step is really about recognition, like noticing when you're in that state of panic and powerlessness. And once you recognize I am on a gear that is too high or I am on a gear that's too low, the second step becomes really about taking, um, like, you got to change gears. you got to take manual steps to self-regulate. And maybe that means calming down or maybe that means coming back into your body. Um, but when you are regulated, you are focused and rational and you have access to your own wisdom. You also have access to um, more... Of reality, more truth. Um, why we get dysregulated and at what breaking point has a lot to do with our inherent capacities as human beings, meaning like, you know, what we were born with. But it also has a lot to do with the experiences we've had growing up and how well we were able to cope with them. And how well we were able to cope with them has a lot to do with um, the tools we were shown by caregivers, meaning our caregivers used these tools and demonstrated them to us and then and therefore gifted them to us in our firsthand experience. 
that said, even if you had a great childhood and uh, great parents and you are a very resilient person, we all have breaking points and sometimes our threshold for keeping our shit together can be compromised by stress. And right now, everybody's under a lot of stress. We're in a unique situation currently. So you might have reached your own breaking point. In addition to that, it's really hard to self-regulate when you feel powerless, when you, you cannot control something. Um, uncertainty and a lack of control is thought by many researchers, especially around PTSD and what impacts us in trauma, is it's the difference between like what um, damages and what does not damage. It's like whether or not we are able to be active in our own defense and have any sense of control over our own pain has a lot to do with whether or not that that pain will actually hurt us and damage us. It's really difficult when you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how to help yourself. It's just like um, it the chronic stress on the body is disruptive to say the least. It's also very difficult when you don't know what you are feeling like when when you feel a lot of things at once sometimes emotions kind of get clouded they mix together or they're tied to old things like they can feel very vague and heavy and powerful we we tend to experience similar emotions um at the same time as all the other times we've experienced that emotion so if you have past trauma or if you have past loss all of that will come up if you've experienced a new loss or a new trauma. So it can feel heavier, much bigger than the present day reality is just because it's tied to old stuff. We store emotional memories in the same spot. So it might just feel like a big cloud of like stuff and you might not know what to do with all that stuff. And when that happens, taking the right action becomes difficult because your brain is asking like, yeah, but what action? And when we don't know what we feel, often our brain will place that pain, like we'll put a different label on it. So you, it's like you're, you're kind of hunting for the bruised spot on yourself asking like, what is wrong? Maybe, maybe I'm hungry. Maybe, maybe I just need more sleep. And often when your brain's working overtime, like stewing and solving and rereading and processing you can suffer from mental fatigue like stress and poor sleep result in reduced attention and memory um and not to mention if you are if you're feeling really low and you're forcing yourself to do things despite having no motivation to do them that can also feel like fatigue it can feel like sleepiness um and if you if you feel like you can't find the button to fix something, like if you're like, what is it? What is it? What is something? Like something's lacking. Something's unquenched in me. What is it? Like oftentimes we'll think like, oh, maybe I'm hungry. And like when you're in a state of stress, your body releases cortisol and therefore you might crave more sugar. It's what releases serotonin. So in other words, a lot of wires get crossed physically when we're under a lot of emotional strain. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. Well, this is really a practice in observing your body and your brain and what's happening inside without judging yourself 
for feeling however you feel. It's really just looking at it as an objective situation and choosing what you want to do about it from like a bird's eye perspective. Like how do I choose to navigate this predicament? What is the most empowering path I can take based on where I am now? However you are feeling, however you are acting, it's okay and it's natural. We do the best we can with the tools we've been dealt. Also know that you do not have to suffer. Like you do have some power in this situation, but we have to choose to take actions in a certain direction despite what is going on in our body. And our thoughts very much create how we feel. So in order to alter how we feel, we have to take actions in service of helping ourselves. Even if we feel like the, the actions are not working, the act itself is helpful. It doesn't feel like it is, but it is. So with that, here are some tools. The first tool, and forgive me if these are obvious, I feel like when I'm in an emotionally triggered or emotionally overwhelmed, um, chemically overwhelmed state, the obvious is harder to access. So these are just like probably a lot of things you've already heard before or I've offered before, but I think it's helpful to have it in one place. All right, the first tool, flow it out or walk it out or shake it out. <laughs> a lot of the time trauma or pain is in somewhere in our body. It's like we'll experience it in a certain part, a certain area of our body. Um, that's also true for like just nervous energy and anxiety. So I want you to take mental note, just do a quick body scan. If that is something that feels safe for you, um, just starting with the top of your head and going down past your ears, past your chin, now through your neck, over your shoulders, your chest, your abdomen, now your stomach your hips, all the way down your thighs, your knees, your calves, your ankles, the tips of your toes. And just take note of any area of your body that feels any kind of tension. Um, is there any kind of tightness? Anything that's sitting slightly less comfortably than in other area of your body? And whatever you notice, just call it out to yourself. So I might say shoulders or hips. And whatever area of your body has the energy kind of stuck or maybe it's just tightness or maybe it's just an imagined source of energy. I want you to take steps to move, hopefully in a repeated rhythmic movement, um, and picture yourself expelling that energy, like almost like processing it, moving it out like a, you know, conveyor belt out of your body. Um, I would say if you have a yoga practice, it'd be great to do, for example, some sun salutations. Or if you like to dance, just do a little groovy dance move. If both of those make you feel weird and icky to think about them, walk it out. Just take a walk, a brisk walk. Um even around the room. And if that's not possible for you, uh, this is something that animals do when they have fights. <laughs> they shake it out. So just literally shake your body. And 
Um, while you do that, I suggest you take some slow, even deep breaths or quick, um, bursts of breath, like, like force the air out of your body. Um, I think of this as like somewhat changing channels on your physiology. It's like, if you ever feel upset or you ever feel heavy, a really good first step is just start moving your body, get your blood flowing. Um, as like a kind of a quick cheat go-to, get your heart to be above your head. So like anything where you're kind of upside down, like a forward fold. Um, I like to do handstands just because it's a lot of blood <laughs> gets to your head. Um, and just really loud breaths is a, is a good pair with that. I'll leave the appropriate exercise for you to decide, but those are that's the first tool. All right, second tool is thought disengagement. So basically unplugging. Imagine yourself unplugging some sort of like barnacle from your brain. <laughs> when we are in a thought, it's it's like we just boarded a Disneyland ride and we're stuck on this thing for a time being. Even if it's boring, we hate it. Um or a little scary, it's the, the goal in that moment is to unhook from that thought. So one way to do that is with a, a visualization. Um, and you could take the barnacle one, <laughs> like imagine there's this thing that's stuck to the outside of your head and literally imagine yourself pulling it like a sucker off of the outside of your head and casting it aside, casting it back into the ocean. If that's too gross for you, <laughs> imagine your thoughts as like, just, they're like paper words. They're just floating through the air and the air is flowing and imagine them just like flying away. They keep flying and flowing and that's all they are. They're made of paper. Um, another visualization is imagine them as dancers. It's like an empty stage and this is like a very modern play, you know modern in air quotes and there's just these dancers that are flitting across the stage and doing these little interpretive dances and the stage is your mind and so whenever a thought comes through it's just like just watch it watch it running and dancing and doing a little spinny thing and flying off the other side um and if that one doesn't appeal to you imagine them as just like electrical pulses you know your, your thoughts are just energy. They're little surges of electricity just pulsing through your mind. And they pass. Sometimes they get really loud. Sometimes they're really intense. And they're just these little pulses, like in your brain, happening. All right. That's the second tool. The third tool is called Debbie Downer or Donald Downer. Um... So this is like, basically imagine you're having a mental argument with someone named Debbie Downer or Donald Downer, and your, your job is really to counter everything they say. And this is just an exercise in balancing your brain. It's really, more than anything, it's important to keep your brain in check. Um, especially if right now you're noticing yourself leaning dark it's really, really easy to tip that balance. It's like everything is a habit. All the ways we think and feel are habits. So if you start to notice yourself like leaning dark, 
you have to manually balance out that mental conversation by deliberately replying to your thoughts. And I would suggest even writing down the opposite positive point that is also true. So for example, Debbie Downer might say like, I cannot see my friends and family. And then your job would be to counter that. I have, what's the positive? I have concentrated time to work on myself. Um, I have lots of time to do yoga at home right now. It's like, it's kind of like a math equation game. Like it's a practice. You have to solve it and deliberately solve it, you know? Because oftentimes it's like, you'll have to hunt for the positive. But this exercise is really about going through the motions as a way to build muscle memory. It's not about feeling passionate about the positive perspective. It's really about um, choosing to go through this practice as a way to build a habit. The same goes for when you're training yourself to think of things to, you know, be grateful for. It's And if you don't have a gratitude practice, like, <laughs> by all means, start one right now because it's the perfect time. Um, but it's, it's in building a mental habit of focus and it's very effective, even though it's like, ugh, do I have to? Okay. Next tool, coping thoughts. I would say this is a very helpful one to do in a journal. Um, right now, especially, well, if you're in a depressed state or you're in an overwhelmed state or a panic state, it's, it's really easy to have a tendency toward doom and gloom thoughts. And like that becomes your pervasive worldview. But we can also practice altering our responses to those thoughts. Um, Like, for example, with something called coping responses. I should have thought of a more flowery name for this one. Because that's literally what they call these in DBT and CBT. Anywho, so these are individual thoughts that um, are not helpful. And this is how you can address them. In, in ways that are more beneficial. This is just a list for you. I think I have 10. These are 10 that I like if you want to jot some of them down. Um, but I also invite you to come up with your own. So let's say you're having a thought like, this is fucked. My future is fucked. Everything is impossible. The economy is crumbling. Blah, blah, blah. Like all of the really overwhelming thoughts and feelings you might be having right now. These are a list of coping thoughts. The situation will not last forever. I can't see the future. I am not psychic. For me personally, that was like, that is one of the most helpful coping thoughts I have. And I use it all the time. I've survived painful, overwhelming situations before. I can do it again. I'm safe at this moment right now. I'm strong enough to handle what is happening right now. I can feel anxious and sad and still function and move through life. My feelings are like clouds. They come and then they go. This too shall pass. I cannot predict what will happen. If I could, I would have predicted this happening. The last one, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. If I need to fall apart, I'll I'll fall apart. And then I'll get up again and I'll keep moving. Um, that last one I think is just helpful to remember because sometimes when you're in a state of panic, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. It's like, well, all right, lose it. What does losing it look like? Okay. Maybe that means like, you know, whatever, 
eating a, ch a chocolate cake and crying all night and sobbing and calling people and whatever it is. All right, if that's what you have to do, then do it and then get up and keep going. It's like, it's not the end of the world. Um, if you fall, quote, fall apart. It's like, sometimes we do fall apart. I hope that that last one <laughs> did not inspire you to go do something really de um, destructive. Anywho, that's that tool. The next tool is called feelings tree. So this is for sorting out what you feel and breaking apart kind of that emotions cloud I talked about earlier. So this is if you're feeling a thick sense of just feelings and you just don't know what they are. It's like a bunch of stuff. It's hard to know what it is. And it's just, it's kind of a way to sort between good and bad, but also, um, to start to be able to figure out ways to address how you feel. If you just feel like fucking overwhelmed. So imagine you are drawing a tree and if you don't draw, let's just picture a branch. I want you to picture a tree branch. So it's, it's large and it's thick. And then from that large branch, a smaller one splits off of it. And then smaller ones split off of that. So in other words, we're going to start with the bigger branch. We're going to start with big emotions. So let's say that's bad. That's just the feeling. I feel bad. Okay, that's the big branch. What are some words for the bad emotions? Just start calling them out. As I said, this is helpful to write down in a journal. So you might say sad, scared, tired, lonely, confused, pissed, freaked out, whatever it is. Just let them all come out. And now let's start with the first one, sad. So that first emotion, sad, what does this emotion make me want to change? So you could write, I want more blank. I want, or I want less blank. Um, or I need blank. And if nothing comes up when you ask yourself that question, like what is this emotion asking of me? You can instead ask yourself, can I shift my focus internally right now to a place that feels more positive or neutral? Like for example, can I focus on a feeling of warmth on my body or let's say in your shoes, whatever it is, just let your focus stay somewhere, any other place in your body that's neutral as a way to provide momentary relief from that emotion. And that's the, the action I want you to correlate to that feeling. Next, go to the next one on your list, scared. What is that emotion asking me to change? Does it need me to change anything? Etc. So this, that's just like a very pragmatic way to sort through feelings. Okay. Next tool is also a journal exercise. This is something, or, or you can write it on a piece of paper. This is something um, from Marsha Linehan who created DBT, very wise lady. And this is, I think it's hard to do the very first time you do it or maybe the first couple of times you do it. It's kind of confusing. And then it gets easier and you understand what you're supposed to write in the middle. I'm jumping ahead, but so it's basically a way to get back to reality, um, a manual shutdown process if you're in a heightened, dysregulated state. So on a piece of paper, let's say it's an eight and a half by 11 
piece of paper, turn it sideways and draw two giant circles and have them overlap in the middle so that there's equal area on the left and the right and the middle. So it's a kind of a Venn diagram. There's a big vagina shape in the center. Um, okay, on the left you're going to write rational. On the top, I mean. And then on the top of the right side, you're going to write emotional. And in the center, you're going to write wise. So what goes on the left side, you basically you're going to populate the left side and the right side as equally as you possibly can. So for the most part, when you're in a heightened state, emotional will fill up very quickly. It'll be stuff like freaking out, I'm in so much pain, I don't know what to do, I'm very, I'm overwhelmed, I'm sad, I, this is terrible, I don't know, like my life is ruined, whatever it is. And then push yourself to write in emotional facts on the left side. I am in a room. I am safe. It is April 5th. I am, I see sun outside. I am this many years old, etc. And then keep those lists being filled up. And then in the center, what when you're able to, what comes out of those two sides is a combination of the two. So it might be something like, um, I am, I'm in a lot of pain right now, but I'm taking steps to take care of myself. Um, I have resources that I will call upon. All of the things that are, are helpful, constructive thoughts um, based on just the reality of where you are. All of the wisdom that you can pull from um, based on just, I would say, like the coping, the list of coping thoughts is a great place to start as well. Just like anything you know to be true based on, yes, I'm in an emotional state, but yes, I'm going to be able to take care of myself. Hope that made sense. All right, the next tool is from my book. It's from the uh, Help Me Be Me book. I um, call it the Rational Scale of Extremity. So I want you to imagine this. there's a large ruler, and same thing, piece of paper, horizontal. On the left side is 1. On the right side is 12. You're going to draw a little 12 tick marks, or 10 or 5, whatever. Um, so it's a giant ruler, and on the left at 1 is benign, and on the right at 12 is extreme. And I want you to write it at 1, like the most benign fact you can think of. Um or least distressing thing you can think of. Something that is like, uh, I stub my toe. Maybe that's even too extreme. On the far right, at 12, you're going to write the most terrible thing you can possibly imagine. Like, um, my, or everybody I love dies. Something like that. And now I want you to write, put whatever you're, is causing you suffering right now, Rate it between those two things. Like, how bad is it, really, compared to 1 and 12? And this is just a way to reorient yourself to, like, how extremely terrible what your situation is. And oftentimes, we don't really notice, like, okay, I'm at a 6. 6 isn't 
isn't as bad as it feels like it is. Like our brain often wants us to, us to feel like as much pain and drama as possible. So this is a, a way to really come back to like a rational scale for how bad this thing is. All right, the next tool, I'm going to call it uh, need sorting. So you know those little picture hanging kits? <laughs> They're like basically like a plastic case with a bunch of little dividers in it with all the different kind of nails that you need for hanging something on a wall. So imagine you have that same little container, but it's for sorting needs. When you're in an overwhelmed state, everything feels like it has to happen now. And um, I want you to imagine like you have one of these little sorters and you're just gonna sort your needs in a similar fashion, but you're gonna sort them on a scale of how urgent that need is um, based on what needs to happen in the present moment. So right, just, just, you know, vomit out on a page all of the needs that you have I need to call blah 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 I need to figure out blah 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 I need to da, 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 da. I need to every single one of them no matter what it is I need to shower I need to do laundry and once you've got your list down now I want you to write rate each one of them on a scale from one to ten based on immediacy based on what needs to happen in the present moment and once you've done that, only look at the tens. Circle the tens. And you're only addressing the tens first. And if all of them are tens, <laughs> then what I want you to do is the next tool instead. <laughs> okay, the next tool is hang loose breathing. I call it hang loose breathing. It's There's a bunch of other names for it. Um, but I think it's easier to think about it as hang loose breathing because you, I don't know if you've seen the hang loose symbol. There's an emoji for it, but it's your thumb sticking out and your pinky sticking out. Um, and so make that shape. This is a breathing exercise. I think this is a really helpful breathing exercise because it requires you, you pay the fuck attention to your breathing. Um, and if you're easily mentally distracted, this is helpful because it requires somewhat of your focus on a physical practice. So make the hang loose symbol, either left hand or right hand, whatever it is. And you're going to pinch your nostrils closed with your thumb and your pinky or your ring finger, whichever is easier for you. I like to use my pinky. Most people use, I think, ring finger. Um, anyway, so plug your nose and one at a time you're going to open your nostril so let's say we're going to start with the right nostril and you're going to go breathe all the way in. Now you're going to plug your nose, count to four, and you're going to unplug your left nostril and breathe out for four. And then you're going to plug your nose again and hold the breath out for four. So this is box breathing. So it's like four, 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 four. So once you've held your breath out for count of four, you're going to breathe in for the count of four on the same nostril. Plug your nose with your breath in for count of four. And then breathe out to the count of four on your right nostril. And plug it again. Hold your breath out for the count of four. And it, when you start this, 
it might feel panicky. Like you might feel like, oh my God, I'm losing my air. I'm losing my air. Like that's normal. Eventually you're, you will pace yourself enough to know how much air, um, you need and your, your brain will kind of calm down. If you can do this for one full minute as a start, high fives. Let's do, I would say five minutes as a, um, a calming practice, like a good calming practice. If five minutes sounds like an eternity to you, okay, three minutes. Um, but this is a way to basically balance out your hemispheres of your brain. It's like, um, when we're in an overly triggered state, we can kind of lose access to a lot of our own wisdom. So this is a way to actually tell your body to physically calm the fuck down. I think it's also helpful because you can do it anywhere. You know, you can like shut yourself in a bathroom stall and do this. Um, all right, next tool penguin party that's a reference to fight club (laughs) that's an old movie now i mean that's like a really old movie now i probably should pick a different movie um another way to this is also just mental resourcing so in fight club there's a scene where he goes to a mental happy place and it's this little like tundra with these penguins and the penguin says slide it's really cute so i want you to all think of a mental resource or a memory that brings you joy or comfort or safety and should be like a visceral memory. It could be something like, you know, a milestone, like a big event, like getting married, or it could also be something really simple, like, um, a pastime that brings you relief and a feeling of stability or of okayness. It could also be a spiritual belief Um, or perhaps like an animal that you own that you love, whatever it is, pick one and now describe that to yourself. Like I want you to think about right now, like what brings you comfort and peace or happiness about this thing and, and go into a recollection of a specific memory related to this thing or, um, a specific description of this thing in detail and mentally really like witness this as a complete um, moment in, in your mind's eye. I'll give you a second. I prefer if you hit pause and like really get into it. Um, I'm going to assume you have your mental resource now, your penguin party in your mind. So in the future, if you start to notice your balance getting tipped toward kind of a panic state or even like a numbing, paralyzed state, I want you to revisit this mental moment or resource. It's almost like, you know, you're going to press an elevator floor button and go there with your mind's eye. Like, just like you're telling yourself a story. So if it's, an, if it's a memory, like, start at the beginning and go through it second by second. And really, like, live in that moment describe the surroundings, think about the temperature, like what are the sounds you hear, what are the smells, Um, just call them out to yourself, all of it. And this is a very powerful way to calm your physiology, and the more you use it, the better it works. It's, you might find yourself like, you know, 
physically relaxing and you might notice a smile on your face. Um, and it's, it's healthy to, to be able to do this for ourselves. It's like, um, as I said, if you're in the wrong gear, you're, you're not driving properly. When you can get back to this calm state, everything is much more accessible, including all of the things you need to do to be effective and help yourself right now. So it's not a waste of time. It's actually helpful. All right. Next tool. This is a basic that I've given probably a bajillion times. E-chord list. And this is something to be done when you are in a calm state and you are safe, um, mentally regulated. But I want you to compile a list of the top 10 things you can do to take care of yourself and calm your body. And I would write it on your phone on a notes page or write it on a piece of paper and keep it in your wallet or tack it up on your mirror. And this is just your emergency cord steps, things I need to push, throw myself into without thinking in order to calm down. And um, I'll give you my list as a way to just get you started, but like you'll learn, you'll revise this and hone it as you evolve, you know, as you progress and like just being able to self-regulate and, and help yourself, you'll see the things that work best for you. And you might change your list based on what's accessible at a given time. Um, for example, like if some things are not open or if you're not able to leave your house, like you might have to adapt this list, but my list includes an Al-Anon meeting, a hike, a walk around the block, sun salutations combined with slow, even deep breaths, a handstand, and slow, even deep breaths, um, a podcast, a helpful podcast with a walk, a call to a friend, reading a passage from one of the books that's most helpful to me, um, like a wise mind exercise, etc. So just when you can't think for yourself, just the first thing you need to do is throw yourself into one of these actions without thinking. It's like let your body just take over when you can't trust your brain. And I'm, I was conflicted about throwing this one in here, but I'm throwing this in here because, I mean, first of all, it works. And second of all, it's like right now we have the time and it's the perfect time to do something like this. I'm throwing in as a tool, the last tool, the list of 21 days of happiness, the challenge. It's like from, um, crap, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, one of like a pretty prominent researcher. He did a Ted talk. Um, crap. I'll put a link in the show notes. Anyway, it's, it's basically like, it's five things to do every single day for 21 days to train your brain to focus on positive, more positive things. I know a lot of people that have told me like, oh my God, I'm so glad you put that on your podcast. It changed my life. So I'm throwing it in here. I hope it's not an annoying thing to hear at a time like this, but this is 21 days of happiness challenge. So the list is one, some kind of physical exercise. So maybe that's like 20 sit-ups. Two, some kind of mental meditation of some sort. So that could be like breathing, so even hang loose breathing for one minute in the morning or yoga, whatever it is. Number three, 
in your journal, write about three new things you are grateful for. And number four, write in detail about one positive experience you had today. And then number five, perform conscious acts of kindness. Let's say three. Um, and that can be really, really simple things, you know? Like it can be saying something nice to somebody, emailing somebody something nice, FaceTiming somebody and saying like, I was thinking about you. Um, whatever it is, taking a positive act towards somebody else. And, you know, I would say at least one, but there's there's no maximum. So that's it. Try doing that for 21 days. And what happens is you're, it's just like a habit building thing. It's a focus building thing. So those are all my tools. Um, before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Luke. Thank you so much for your donation. Um, and Wendy, thank you so very much. And a huge donation from Melissa. Thank you so, so much, Melissa. And a huge thank you to Nicholas. Thank you very much for your donation. Thank you guys so much for your donations. I appreciate all of you. Um, and anyone that has the means, I, donations really help the show happen. If you don't have the means, I completely understand. I always appreciate reviews on iTunes, and I love to read them. And um, if not, if there's anyone out there you think who could use this, just sharing the podcast is really helpful to me. So in closing... Um, you know, when you're feeling shitty and overwhelmed, it's not about talking yourself out of your feelings because you have a right to feel overwhelmed. You're also allowed to be exactly where you are moment by moment. You're allowed to be sad and be comforted. Oftentimes we build up a belief that we can never be scared or not know what to do or feel lost and instead we lean into keep keep going, keep power through it, I feel nothing. Or we lean into anger and frustration and blame. And it's in part a belief that if we feel sad or scared or vulnerable, that we will fall apart, that we will crumble. Like it's it's a, a fear of vulnerability. But what happens when we allow ourselves to be really where we are, moment by moment, and hold our own hand in that moment, and help ourselves through each feeling, is then we move forward holistically. We process and digest and function through what feels insurmountable, what feels like it's too much. It's really about holding your own hand through this time and allowing yourself to, to really give yourself what you need, you know? Self-care, self-nurturing, um, asking for help, and taking help. It's really brave and really important, and it's much stronger to do that than to ignore feelings that you're really actually having and as with all major change in life it's a cycle it's a cycle of death and also rebirth and as fucked up as pain is it brings with it growth it's a forced growth 
But because it's forced, it's dramatic. A, a lot more of it can happen, and it can happen quickly. So just know that right now, it's best to take one day at a time. Like barring the necessary you know, financial decisions or business decisions that require it, like don't jump to a week from now or a month from now or six months from now because the future you live out emotionally from here is not accurate. Things will change more than you think they will. And you will change more than you think you will. Like you will be a different person at that point in time. And you will be a person who has been through a lot more and digested it and has gotten learning and perspective from it. And for whatever it's worth, many generations go through a period of strife and suffering and it changes them. And one thing it gifts is unique perspective, a more wise understanding of what is important in life and what you are made of. And you too will come out of this with a stronger set of muscles than you walked into it with. So for now, go easy on yourself. Have compassion and support for yourself. And make a decision to, like, an unconditionally loving friend, be there for you no matter what you're going through. And if you can do that, you're doing all right. And know that this time of strife, presently and in the future is something that you're going through with everybody else. Like, you're not alone. You are moving through this with a whole world of other people who are going through the same thing as you. And you are never alone in what you feel, even when it feels like you are. There's always help outside of you. The battle, like the hardest part, is just reaching out for it aggressively. Allowing yourself to say, I'm hurting and I need you. So if you can conquer that, you're, you are strong. You are capable. So I send you my love, and as much as you can, smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.